It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Brett. Are you better now than you ever have been? I believe so. The reason why I say I believe so is that... You got more mileage. You've been through a lot of situations, you know, good or bad. And also, mentally, you know, I kind of got better mentally. I take a, I take a pride on it to just tell myself it's, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I got help on that. And now it shows that, you know, how I can control my game and myself in any type of situation. So I will say, yes, I'm more mature now, so I, I, I think this can be over any other candidate. All right, there you have it, Kenley Jansen, 400 saves, one of many, 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 many things that happened that proved, once again, baseball isn't boring. There's other things, obviously. You have, for instance, the Orioles taking the series over the Rays. How about Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting a 800-foot home run or something like that? It was a long home run, and then he did about 5 million euro steps around the bases. That was great. Uh, there was a lot going on, but we here at Baseball Isn't Boring wanted to give you some unique content. Unique content, and that's exactly what we did today. We jammed a lot into one podcast. I hope that everybody really enjoys it. Again, go to at BB Isn't Boring to go to the socials, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe, rate, review, the whole ball wax. And thank you, FanDuel. Of course, thank you, FanDuel, for being part of this whole venture. But today's podcast is, like I said, there's a lot going on. I don't think you're going to find another podcast with as many key voices in it as the one that we're going to give you today. So, as you already heard, Kenley Jansen is part of it. But before we get to Kenley, we have the general manager of the Atlanta Braves, Alex Anthopoulos, returning to the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, where we kick it off with the time-honored debate, are ketchup-flavored potato chips good? We have had about six, seven GMs weigh in on this matter, all spawning from Alex's assertion that they actually are good. Ugh. 
I don't know how that happened. But anyway, we broached that subject with him. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, but just as important, we also talked to Alex about the dynamic of how important it is to actually, when you sign all these extensions, and I don't know if you know this, the Atlanta Braves are the bell of the ball when it comes to signing extensions in baseball. When you sign these extensions, how does it manifest itself in terms of actually having a good team, having a good clubhouse, the first year, that year, where you have all these guys in that clubhouse with all those extensions. And so we talked to Alex about that. We also talked about why trades aren't made in May, which is a whole different thing. I mean, it's they, they just aren't made. And I want to hear from a GM why they aren't made. But in terms of the, the extensions that the Atlanta Braves signed and how that has led to this record, well, I don't know. Is, is, is that part of it? So not only did we hear from Alex Anthopoulos when it comes to this subject, after you hear from Alex, you're going to hear from Charlie Morton. And I hadn't talked to Charlie Morton uh, really at all. And then I caught up with him to talk about this subject. And boy, man, he was awesome. Culminating in just a nails why baseballs are boring. Every time we ask this question, I am just in awe of the people who give you a unique answer almost every single time. It's so cool. But Charlie Morton is another guy who is insightful, is thoughtful. I mean, you, I, I'm, you're going to have to listen for yourself. And then at the end of the podcast, I sit down with Kenley Jansen, the day that he actually reached 400 saves and said to him flat out, you'll hear it, are you as good as you ever have been? Are you better than you ever have been? Well, your answer, you're going to have to wait for it. You're going to have to listen. And, and, and when, how long does he actually want to play? Well, he says it, and then he turns to the president, uh, chief baseball officer, Hein Bloom, who's about 10 feet away, to make sure that he heard it because maybe he wants another contract. All right, anyway, well, there's a lot to get to. First... Alex Anthopoulos. All right, he's back. He's back. Alex Anthopoulos, the guy who started the conversation, which every single GM who has come on the Baseballs and Boring podcast has answered. Uh, it has a lot of debate, a lot of conversation. And Alex, first of all, how are you? Doing great. So you're saying the question of does everybody, should everybody have a bag of Canadian ketchup chips before they die? <laughs> well, I like how you phrased that, that you said Canadian. It's a Canadian thing. I know it's not something you no, but Canadian, so we have because because we had the great great spirited debate about this in the last podcast we did, and um, and I said I said Alex like the it flipped a switch when I said that ketchup flavored potato chips sucked like I I, I, kinda, I, know, so I gotta say that hurt me to my core. <laughs> it did low low blow. It did so off of that. So I said, is this the GM thing? Is this a, a baseball decision makers thing? So Alex, I. I'll show it to you. I'll send it to you. I'll rattle it off. We've had on Depoto. We've had on Falvey. We've had on Sherrington, Bloom, uh, uh, Hazen. Uh, like, all of them have answered this question. All of them have answered this question. And i got to be honest with you, not a lot of people on your side... <laughs> 
Oh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. You know, I mean, unless you're born in Canada and you got to experience it, you just don't know. So you're not raised on it. You know, I totally. And those guys are in way too good a shape to eat garbage like that. Well, Falvey did say they served it for his school lunch in Lynn. So, there you go. There you so, go. Uh, anyway, well, I appreciate I appreciate um, you surfacing that, and I appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, congratulations on the good start so far. I'm just sort of anxious. Um, I always like doing this. I did, like did it at the end of spring training with with a lot of GMs, and and now we're a sort of a, just more than a month in the season. Let's say a month and a half in the season. From your perspective, for, at your job title, how do you view things now? Because it's interesting. You have the draft. You have you know obviously the trade deadline's a few months away, but you have that. Your team starting to take shape. Like from your in your seat, what does that look like now? You know, I, I really think, you know, I've learned over the years that, you know, everyone says it's a long season, and it really is. And, you know, I just, whether you're doing well or not doing well, I just, it's, it's to, for me, it's early until you get to August. It really is, because and I know that sounds crazy, but there's a lot of games left. Like, people think you get after the trade deadline, and oh, the season's pretty much done and over, but, you know, there's a lot of games left the last two months of the year, and a lot can happen, and a lot can change, so... You know, I, I worry all year. Um, hmm. We lock in just every day. It's just like, I don't even look ahead at all. We're really, like, worried about that day's game, that series. Yeah, you might look a series ahead, maybe two series ahead, but I have no idea, like, who we're playing a month from now, two months from now, three months from now. No clue, you know? And because we're so locked in on the now and trying to win that, that night's game and optimizing the roster and dealing with all kinds of things. So, um, look, in terms of... The, the, the calendar and on the one hand it's kind of nice that you've got more time to prepare for the draft that it's in July uh, but then there's another part of you that you kind of get the itch right you're like man the draft still feels so far away it's mm. two months away you know I, it, it, was, it was exciting when it was in June because we'd be getting ready to have draft meetings here like now you know mm. getting ready for the draft which was kind of fun and a bit of a distraction uh, from the day to day grind but um, I think you just for me I've always looked at it that you just your job and your work is based on on the, the calendar, and you can't look too far ahead. And you just tackle things as they, they come. So, yeah, you know, we have the amateur department doing things and so on. But you know, I'll start worrying about the draft when the meetings start. You know, sometime in June. All right. So we know that the draft is being put on hold a little bit, but. Okay, in terms of your major league team, I guess the first question I had, what's the earliest trade you ever made? Like, I, I, I know, for me, the one that jumps out, this is, I'm going to totally date myself, but it was the Young Young Kim trade in late May for Shea Hillebrand. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that's rare. Uh, yeah, I, I would say this, like, you can make, you know, guys are DFA, so you get trades there. But when you say, like, non-DFA, like, real baseball trades – where there's no pressure on either side, right? Because normally you have a DFA, you have seven days or whatnot to make sure you get a move done on, on the roster really five days before a guy has to go on waivers and so on. Um, but in terms of a baseball deal, um, you know, since I've been in Atlanta, the only one that comes to mind is I think we traded for Anthony Swarzak maybe in May or June at the at the latest. Hmm. Um, I, maybe it was May, but again, Seattle, I think, was still building. They were getting young talent. Um, 
Um, but again, that was on, actually, that deal was the same thing. We had a DFA player. Jesse Biddle was the player. And we knew he had seven days. And look, like most times, deals get done because of deadlines and momentum, you know, whether that's contracts, whether that's trades. So when you have a DFA player, you know, you'll, you know you're up against the clock before you have to put them on, on waivers or get a deal done. So I guess I'd say this is that when you think about from a pure baseball standpoint, an early trade, um, my earliest was probably Yunel, Yunel Escobar uh, with Atlanta uh, when I was in Toronto. We traded him. You know, we were going into the All-Star break, and I think we, you know, before we came back, um, we traded him, I think, like, the first day of the All-Star break. We made that. We completed that deal. I remember talking to Atlanta the last day of, of games before the break, and then we agreed to the deal the following day. And then in 2021... We traded for Jock Peterson during the All-Star break. So, you know, for me, the earliest you're going to see deals is right before the All-Star break or during the All-Star break. And that feels aggressive. That feels early. And it's tough to get people that want to sell even at that time just because of handling your fan base, your ownership, your clubhouse, your manager. It's tough. It's, you know, you're making your team worse. Yeah. I mean, guys away, and it's hard to do early. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a discipline, though, in terms of – and I think that maybe it's more of a discipline for fans and for media than it is actually for for GMs because like we want to say well you know this is the broad brush this is what your team is look at you in early May uh, you got to do something but I think that you've been in this game in and in that seat long enough to understand so there's, there's a rhythm to a season and this and you're still in May there's plenty of time for things to go one way or the other right of course and like even from a trip we've had a bunch of guys get hurt and injuries and so on you know, to call someone now in May to try to make a deal you know, whether a team's rebuilding or not sure they'll have a conversation and they'll talk about it but there's no urgency in May right you know that the trade deadline if you're trying to maximize a deal an in-season trade and you know you get to the end of July that's it that's your last window to do it but you think you're sitting here in May and you're two and a half months away from the trade deadline there's just no urgency you know there's no urgency you don't feel like you have to make a move and, and that's the biggest key is deadlines are so key on this thing and that's why you just, the majority of these deals, you see them happen right at the end, right? So, um, you know, you'd love to be able to do stuff earlier. And look, you understand the other side of it is you, know, you go into a season and five weeks in, six weeks in, you're going to start to take players off your team. You got to go explain that to your players and your coaches and your manager. And um, that's kind of a tough sell, you know. And, you know, teams will do it, but they'll tell you, hey, we're going to have to get a premium back to move early. And that's completely fair, too. So, um, you know, the other component to this, too, is you, know, you, you think you have a need now uh, in May, and then all of a sudden, some guys that aren't performing or whatever, they turn it around. Mm. You know, not that it's the exact same thing, but you know, I look at 2021, uh, Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, you know, through April, May, and June, you know, Rosario got hurt, but they weren't performing well. If you look at, you know, their batting averages and their OPSs and on bases and everything else, they weren't very good. And they had had really a down first three months of the season, whether through injury or performance. And then all of a sudden we get them at the end of July. And then for August and September, they played great. So it's just a reminder that, you know, we're quick to write players off or to anoint guys when they get off the hot starts. You can just as easily fall off a cliff performance-wise or really get going late in the year. So um, you think you have needs now in May, you get to July, all of a sudden more guys get hurt, guys go downhill, and 
your needs change, well, you've used up whatever payroll space you may have had. You've used up whatever prospect capital you had to want to use. So you have to be careful to not make a move too early as well. Okay, so that said, the you know you come out of spring training, you think you have a good handle of things. What has been the thing that has been pleasantly surprising, or, or the person or the player that has been okay? You know what? You know we thought we had this in spring training, but it's even better than we thought it would be. So, um, Bryce Elder, we didn't think we had this because we optioned him. So, that's how smart we were. Uh, but, you know, you know, when you option guys, you can get them back, right? You don't worry about that. And so, you know, we did that with Mike Soroka in 2019. And he ended up being the Cy Young conversation. He came up soon after. So, um, you know, what I would say is, uh, I'd say Br- Bryce Elder for sure has exceeded expectations by a lot. He pitched well for us last year, had a slow start to his spring. Schuster and Dodd had thrown really well. We went with them. But Elder's been exceptional for us. He's pitched really well. Nick Anderson, who obviously was a very successful reliever with both Miami and the Rays, uh, has been fantastic for us in the bullpen. It's another guy. We optioned him out of spring training. We wanted to keep our depth. We're keeping out of options, guys. And he's come in and pitched important innings and done a really nice job. Michael Tonkin's another guy that was out of options, hadn't pitched in the major league since 2017, I believe. And he made the team. Basically, he was the last guy to make the team because Rysel Iglesias had gotten hurt. Mm. And he's done a fa- fantastic job for us as well. So, you know, you need to have some some nice stories. You know, guys like Pilar, as a minor league free agent, has done a nice job, really contributed to some wins. Sam Hilliard was another guy we picked up out of options. Really athletic, very talented, tremendous tools. He's been a big help as well. Um, Orlando Arcia, before he got hurt, was playing very well. But we kind of expected it from what we've seen last year in, in the spring. But, you know, everyone will always look at, the, at the, the, the stars and the guys making big salaries or the young prospects and so on. But you know, to be a competitive team and get to the postseason, you need some good stories. You need some guys that come through that maybe no one expected at the start of the year because you need that deep 26-man. You know, and even beyond, you need to have a, a total 40-man roster that contributes. Last thing is, so we... Alex, we, we had obviously talked about the whole extension thing, um, extending players, you know, the, the, the how that's done, why it's done, so forth and so on. But one of the things is, is you had mentioned how guys want to be here. I mean, this is the culture, this is the environment, this is the clubhouse, this is the team. So with now that you're going through this season with all these guys locked up, do you see the effect of that? You know, I know it's a cliche to say, oh, yeah, you know everybody's getting along and and we're in it for the long haul and you're going to be good forever because they're around forever but do you see the effect or do you feel the effect of the idea that all these guys are locked up for a while you know i don't feel any any change um within the season in terms of how guys are going about it and playing i feel like we've been consistent since i've been here i think the group's been pretty consistent that starts with the manager and the coaches setting the tone and look we've had continuity we've lost some fantastic players at the same time but we've had continuity as well with the, with a group of guys um what i like about it i mean beyond the fact that we get to keep these guys and for me it's you know how much longer do you get to keep them beyond the control you had you had them for six years 
when they first came up and do you get to keep them beyond that but I do like the fact that and I don't and I haven't seen it in Atlanta but even if it did and we weren't aware guys don't even have to think about um, their statistics from a salary arbitration standpoint and so on I mean that doesn't even have to come into their mind and the other component is we don't even have to think about um, having to deal with off-season negotiations with these guys Mm-hmm. with salary arbitration not that you know it's the end of the world we've been through it all every team goes through it and we have guys that we still go through it but hey, you think about it, we have a lot of young players you know you don't want to have 10 12 guys going through it it's just a lot of work for everybody and and so on so it's nice to know that we're not gonna have to do that with Harris and Strider and Riley we did it once with Riley um, and you know even Olsen and, and so on that it's all taken care of and they can just go out and play and if we need to give guys days off or you know whatever everything we're doing is around winning and no one has to worry about oh this is going to affect my salary the following year or my free agency and all those things so uh, I do think that's a, an advantage just from a an off season standpoint but in season I, I think I think the group I think the makeup of the guys we had I think they've always been the same way that they're they're here to win they're here to play hard and um, I think again that starts with the manager and the staff and you know what I don't. My guess is, number one, you're correct, and that's a great perspective. And my second guess is that Spencer Strider has never had a ketchup-flavored potato chip. Um, You don't get quads that way. No doubt. I don't think he'd even, like, let it get close to his body. All right. Well, Alex, I always appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, Rob. Enjoyed it. All right, there you have it. Good stuff from Alex Anthopoulos. His return to baseball has been boring. And one of the guys who is on his team, who is this awesome to talk to, Charlie Morton. Charlie's been around. He has a unique story. Obviously, been to different teams, Pittsburgh, Houston, Tampa, Braves, Braves a couple times. But... When it comes to the clubhouse and observing a clubhouse, you aren't going to find a better perspective than Charlie Morton. It, it, just, just listen to him. Listen to him, and you'll get the feel of a guy who understands the importance of the aforementioned extensions and the, afore, uh, the importance of, as he said, the culture. Oh, it's good stuff, man. Here you go, Charlie Morton. Of a group of people, right? You know, is going to be around for a while. In other words, the extensions and everything else. You've been on different teams. The impact that has on the clubhouse because it's like it's great, and every team wants to do it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, what does this mean for the vibe of a team that you know is going to be around? Or maybe it doesn't make a difference. Maybe this is just something that we look at it. No, I mean, I would... I mean, it, it really, I think it depends on the, the person that comes. Like, uh, some guys are just trying to establish themselves. Um, and they're not really worried about if Austin Riley is going to be here for seven or eight years. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Building 
I follow the Yankees, I follow the Yankees. When you see that Brady jersey, and you knew they were going to be there. You knew they were going to be there. And like, that's kind of where, where I was with the Rays. Right. I saw that the Rays, I saw that. And I'm not saying that this is the problem, but it's like you see it where the Red Sox come to town, the Yankees come to town, and all these fans show up because their franchises have these storied histories that are linked to the players that wore those jerseys. There's a reason why the Yankees it's not just because a bunch of New Yorkers decided that the Yankees were poor. It's because they had guys like That's what this this sort of like certainty allows, right? I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other examples in baseball. I mean, I think you saw the Dodgers there for a while. Yeah, I think um, you know those guys that kept going, so they kept going. They wound up in a few World Series. Hmm. I think the Astros did a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't yet. It wasn't like it was like it is here. Yeah. With the, the contract commitment. They did some. I mean, like, they did. Yeah. And they had an album down there. Yeah. That's a great thing. I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to do that. Because most of the ones are sure. Yeah. So you have to. You, you either have to, you know, for this develop um, and then lock those guys up. Or like teams like Alex did with Murph Murph and Molly. Right. But see, the thing about that too is for that to they had to they had to fit in. He had to, he had to make sure that that was a good fit. Oh, 
Well, there's a lot to it. We see the NBA and nobody goes in and talk to those guys to get to know those guys. Yeah. You don't find them much better. Yeah. It's it's a desert. Yeah. I keep saying it. This room You've been in different rooms. I mean, a lot of different teams, different dynamics. You know, maybe teams that have no long-term or very few long-term extensions, right? Yeah. I mean, I was with the Pirates for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a what how you're what they're willing to spend here is enough move to win to lock up that's already and they can keep, they can keep those guys if they're willing to go they're willing to go there right no it's not like it's not ridiculous you know it's right but it's it seems like fair for for both sides right right and the guy like, they have to want you to be here you've got to want to be here and make that work and uh, so much credit not only Alex but the guys that were they wanted to be part right. of right and then yeah like you said take that builds on that builds something inside them there's a commitment there hmm. the last thing is you know, the last thing is is I ask everybody, why isn't baseball boring, <laughs> right? There's no wrong answers. I've got the commissioner, I've got GMs, I've got... And, and the, the amazing thing is everyone has a unique answer, and so there's no wrong answers. But what, do you have anything that jumps to mind for you? I think it's different for different people because I didn't grow up romanticizing Especially as a pitcher, you know, 
you get to book in 60 feet, 60 feet of wind. They're in there. It's a big league batter. It's a big league catcher. That was my I was running in Straight zone. All intents and purposes. It's the same. Yeah. And wants to be the same. In the spirit. In the spirit. But you get to have that interaction with the past and you can feel you know it felt like for guys that played the game I think the people that made the game knew what it is today and so I think that's why I love going to Fenway I like Fenway too but for me Fenway I don't know if Christian because just the way the how Fenway isn't trying to be a something that it's not. It's just a ballpark, you know. Mm. And for brief moments of my life, I've been privileged enough to cross out on the roof that line and step on that mound and be where some of the worst ballplayers have ever played. And I get to look in 60 feet, 6 inches away, and I get to make big league pitches. Also, some really, really good hitters. I get to be on the field, on the same field. You know, I get to be a part of the. I get a part. Be a part of the. Present and the future of the game. Just be a small part of it. And to me, that's that's why baseball for me isn't Thank you. All right, Charlie, thank you for that answer, why baseball isn't boring. And now I'm thanking Kenley Jansen, the man of the hour. Sat down with him before he got his 400 save. Uh, and at the very end, I'll tack on what he said after he got his 400 save, just for a good measure, because I know you would want it. But I just had this question. This guy who has been pitching really, really well, but not only pitching really, really well, but pitching at a level in a, in a way that he hasn't in years. Like, how is this happening? How is this happening? Mentally, physically, the whole ball of wax. You had that questions. I have that answers. That's my job to get you those answers via this podcast. Here you go. Congratulations, Kenley Jansen. You have 400 saves, and you also are on the Baseballs and Boring podcast. All right. Are you are you better now than you ever have been? I believe so. The reason why I say I believe so that you know you got more mileage. You've been through a lot of situations, good or bad. And also, mentally, you know, I kind of got better mentally. I take, a, I take a pride on it to just tell myself it's, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I got help on that. And now it shows that, you know, how I can control my game and myself in any type of situation. So I will say, yes, I'm more mature now. So I, I, I'll take this candy over any other candy. Okay, so this this go through down the checklist, mentally, physically, performance. Yeah. With the turning points for you, let's start with mentally. Like you said, what was the turning point for you? As to you know, 
thing to when you be humble and you accept you know it's, it's hard for people to accept some people will carry their pride especially like it's easy for me to carry my pride that the career that I have that I was up 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 and then I got my down to not get help and you know I take pride on that and wanted to get help wanted to get better and basically most of the time it's the mindset is getting out of the innings you know like you can have all the good stuff and all that stuff but it's just how can you coach yourself well out there when you get in situations to get yourself out of it did someone urge you to do that did someone urge you to get like the help my wife did oh no, my wife did alright yes alright and just, you listen to your wife you got to man that's your other half so um you know we gotta listen and for me to just listen to that it makes you listen even more when you got help and a professional help teach you and guide your mind and when was that that's 2020. 2020. Yeah. So, was that hard? Because that's always a hard thing, right? Like, yeah. It's to, to open up and to, like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. My wife saw me that how miserable it was that we won a World Series. But deep down, you know, as a team, we accomplished when that World Series, but I did accomplish of what I supposed to do. And take pride in it, you know, to be better, you know, as long as I'm going to play this game, I'm always going to put my 110% in it to be better, otherwise, if I don't want to be better, I should be going home, and it's not the time to go home, it's With, time to get better. Within that, what was the best piece of advice that you got? The best piece of advice? Yeah, like, when you're going through, like, talking to someone through that stuff, what's the thing, was there something that hit home for you? You know, you, you, you deal with your traumatic events. You go back to what tra traumatized you so much, you know? And you deal with that part and then you move on, you know? And you do your meditation exercise and all that stuff and put yourself in that situation. Learning your colors, of, you know, that works with you, of, of breathing. It's a bunch of stuff. We can keep talking like... What do you say, colors? Colors, yes. Please explain this to me, if you don't mind, because I don't know what that means. So... Colors means a lot of stuff, like what it really helped you, you know. Some colors can be calm, some colors can be enthusiasm. And, um, so, that's a lot of things that, you know, some colors is, you know, to, that's a lot of things, you know, like, there's a lot of things that I can tell you about it. That, I know, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I find it interesting, that's why I'm asking you, what's your favorite color? I got my colors. My colors that work for me more is... I just want to keep it to myself. Well, that's you know? fine. Yeah, that's yeah, all good. Yeah. My favorite. I don't know what my favorite yeah, yeah. are. I'm still looking yeah, at And then you breathe, yeah. After this, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. My favorite, finding my color. Yeah. All right, so physically, like we talked, and it's not a secret that as we sit here right now, velocity is up, stuff. We talked in spring training about how you sort of identified. You just go, you look, you know what you have to adjust. But where for you was the turning point in terms of getting to where you are right now? Like I say, I had a great season last year with the Braves. I got 41 saves, second best in the whole major league. But still, I wasn't satisfied. You know, like I wanted to be better and, and 
continue to be more consistent. And I'm telling you, every time I'm going to play this game, it's not going to drive me crazy, but every offseason I want to get better. You know, so... And learning that you're on you're a certain age now of what's going to work with your age. And, you know, mobility is a huge part right now in my career, in my life right now. Did you figure that out right away in the offseason? Yeah. yeah, I mean, even during the season this year, that, you know, pitching, I know I can be better, you know, with mobility, like with my hips and all that stuff. Did you feel that? Or did yeah. someone point it out? Yeah, no, I feel it. So, I feel yeah. It. I feel it across my body even more. So now I'm going more straight to the home plate. So definitely put a lot of work in the core, stretching my hip, make sure my hips are hips are on top, open up my T-spine, my groins, you know, my hammies, you know, all the way down to your ankle, to your upper trap. So, you know, you try to make sure everything is flexible. I mean, it's the flexibility is going to get me going. And people might say it's pitching clock. It's not. It's just the flexibility. It's like basically my view of just flexibility. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I'm like, if you had to say one, listen, velocity isn't everything, but it's something. Right? <laughs> you could try to throw hard. You could tense, but when you throw harder, you don't tense. When you have your um, flexibility, and when you can reach the certain parts you can reach, that's when you're going to have your velo. I mean, I flashed it a few times in the last few years, you know? So, how can I be consistent with it? How long do you want to play for? No, the goal is 40, you know, so we got a long way more to go, so I know how I'm listening to it right now, so, yeah, the goal is to play until 40, yeah, play 40, yeah, got that? You say, how long I want to play? I say, my goal is to play until 40, so that's the goal, yeah. There, okay, there we Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's it. 40. I mean, everything after that is a blessing, but I will be satisfied as 40. Be 40, you know? You'll 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 see where things are at then. Yeah, we'll see how it works. You you don't want to announce your retirement. I want to make sure, you can't control, but you want to make sure that you walk away from the game, not the game 